today, another intense values debate here in Alexandria, this time about the trees. And without a Trump to resist or a serious Republican council candidate in sight, there's only one choice. Fight about who loves the trees more. Who will speak for the trees? That's right, everyone's a Lorax. One Facebook warrior loves the 300-year-old trees so much he wanted to see their baby pictures. And now he's sobbing at a Google image of a portion of 19th century Alexandria with no forests and questioning his whole existence. Better get down to the recently named Tree of Immaculate Progressivism and meditate under it before it's determined to be a half-dead fall risk by those murderous city arborists. If you love living in a city that fights over who loves the trees more and not who can use which bathroom, you're in the right place. And our tree protests are always inclusive. So join us. That's what kind of night this is going to be, John, okay? See, so because it's going to be that kind of night, I've switched, I've stepped it up to bourbon. The Democratic Social Club of Alexandria proudly presents Liberally Social, a podcast about who are all 13 of these city council candidates and which ones am I voting for? We get it and we're here to help. Listen as we take each candidate, not out, but in for drinks to discuss what on earth is happening. We want to be really transparent about our agenda. We want to help our fellow Alexandrians get to know local candidates like actually get to know them socially. And we want to hang out with our friends and have fun during a global pandemic. Well, you know, nerd fun. We're not journalists, but we are the kind of people who would have a podcast about city politics. So we do know some of the candidates. We're a bunch of self-appointed badass women who are gonna throw ourselves some virtual parties, invite candidates, have great conversations, and record them all for you to listen to while you walk outside with your mask on or do your dishes again. Hopefully, it'll help you make some decisions when election day rolls around. So you see, what we're doing here is actually a public service. All right, we have a special guest host tonight, so. Let's all introduce ourselves so everyone knows who's at the pod party tonight. I'm Sandy Marks. I'm Rashmi Papu. Arda Schultz. I'm Sarah Carr. And I'm Joy Pocatella. And now let's all raise our glasses to the guest of honor, incumbent candidate for city council, John Taylor Chapman. Welcome, John. Welcome, John. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation to be here. It's our party, so... As always, drinks are on us, and we left you a goodie bag. I appreciate that. It contained Lost Boy Cider's Sweet Child Stovepipe for you in honor of little baby John. That's cute. I like that. Thank you. So there you go. I would share it with him, but he's not old enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So first things first, how are you? I mean, we're having a Zoom party instead of an actual party, you know, because we're in the middle of a global pandemic. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, family's doing fine. Um, as you noted, I got a, a little one now. So um, trying to raise him in a pandemic, as you all know, is is probably very interesting, has been interesting, excuse me. Um, and so, yeah, trying to do that, trying to figure out what normal is in terms of a, a job. I work for a local school system, so they're trying to get back to some semblance of that, um, oh particularly God. for uh, staff. Uh, and so doing that, 
um, running my tour company uh, because we haven't stopped. Um, yeah, thank you. And uh, serving in office and now running for office. So staying a little bit busy. So you're fine. <laughs> Quite a bit. Everything's fine. A little bit. Uh, just because I also have a, a one-year-old so I, I'm always curious can you tell us like the most adorable thing that little John has done recently Ooh, um is he not adorable like no I say that because like everything he does is adorable and I'm like oh, oh yeah of course he pointed at something oh he pointed ah <laughs> uh, or he closed the door ah it's true like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of scary I'm like I'm that parent I'm like Love it. Love so, yeah, it. today my mom's here, uh, right <laughs> across from me. But um, he kind of said, like, he's he's always been kind of shy around relatives because obviously he doesn't see people as much yeah. um, due to the pandemic. And so we put him, we just put him to bed like five minutes ago, and so it worked perfectly. Um, and he like was happy and you know almost like said good night to her, like that type of mood. And I was just like, oh. He's never done that before. So that was, that was the latest, cutest thing that he's done. Well, it's Michelle Chapman. You better say goodnight to her. Indeed. Indeed. She's Uh famous. She's going to come over here and pop on screen. (laughs) Oh gosh. Really? Right now? Uh, No, no. We're trying not to. We're trying not to let that happen. (laughs) All right. Hi, John. Hi. Well, what's a party without some games? And so I have here our list of essential questions for assessing a person's character. Mm. And the goal is to give as many answers as you can in just a few minutes. So short answers are completely good. You got it? Got it. Okay, here we go. First, what have you binge watched during COVID? Um, I've been binge watched The Last Dance. Um, my, the little uh, documentary about Michael Jordan. I've been to watch that over again, over, no, again. And over and over again. <laughs> well, it's the anniversary. It just, it's been out of here. Um, what is your favorite local restaurant takeout? See, I try not to answer this question because it gets me in trouble with other restaurants that I don't mention. Um, but my favorite takeout, um, actually right now is Joe Theismann's. Uh, they do a mean burger that actually comes well. Um, second close favorite is Donna's. And you made reference to a little bit to it earlier, but what's your day job? So I work for Fairfax County Public Schools. Uh, we do community use in our office. Um, our office is starting to ramp up as people are coming back and, you know, doing events and things like that. And so we're starting to get busy again. Do you have any pets? We do. Um, Jet, uh, he is a a terrier poodle mix. Um, he, you cannot hear him in the background because he is down in Richmond with his grandparents uh, hanging out and going to, uh, we call it going to Vegas uh, because they just let him run around and do whatever. But has he been vaccinated? Stay awesome. up all night. Awesome. <laughs> um, what is the last book you read or your favorite book? Uh, so right now I'm in the middle of Color of Law and I think that's, it's a very interesting book. Um, I, I don't know if I'd say it my, it's my favorite, but I, I am obviously, if you've read it, I'm seeing a lot of kind of interesting pieces about it and history and, and wondering how does that connect with Alexandria? Um, yeah. What is the song that's been stuck in your head lately? Song that's, oh, my mom's not gonna like this. Um, so uh, Busta Rhymes, uh, they just re-released his first album um, on Tidal. And so I've been listening to that over and over again. 
Uh, so woo-ha, got you all in check. That was mm-hmm. that was the jam. And I say that because my mom was uh, the one who actually bought me the CD. Uh, and this was before she knew what it meant, uh, what parental advisory meant. <laughs> um, <laughs> she hates when I tell that story. So thanks, mom. Oh, my gosh. Um, celebrity crush, past or present? Oh, um, past celebrity crush has been Tamia, the singer uh, Tamia. Oh, mm. that's our first Tamia of mm-hmm. the candidates. Uh, when was the last time you flossed? This morning. Oh, very I had good. to run off. I had to run off to work, so yeah, to make sure I was uh, speaking span. Uh, what's the most recent podcast you listened to? Ooh, so I don't listen to podcasts. Oh. Except this one, right? You're gonna yes. listen to this one. Yes, right? this like, one. Oh. This okay. one. No, there's a there's a podcast I turned into um, a while ago that was about uh, the tourism industry and how it was dealing with uh, COVID. I can't remember the name of it. I think I listened to about three episodes. It was folks from uh, actually most of the folks were from Europe, so it was really interesting to hear their perspective. But it was kind of obviously kind of uh, n- not negative, but it was definitely something that did not uh, lift the spirits. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay would you win a game of never have i ever would i win a game no mom's listening so no. no no right. thanks thanks great question okay. thanks you're so welcome i did that just for the embarrassment of being a mother okay um who is your hero my mom yeah there you go again like we're gonna have to ask these questions later yeah <laughs> she's not listening <laughs> Mm, okay. What was your very first job? First job. Oh, you remember this, mom. Sheesh. Uh, no, no, I don't, I don't count that. I don't count that. No, I don't count that. So she was going to say working at a, so I did, um, I was a youth worker at um, a summer day camp at George Mason Elementary School. Um, but I don't count job. That was like a summer job internship program the, the if you if you're familiar with the youth works program that we have in the city i was a part of that youth works program but my first job was a, a box office attendee at hoyt's cinema in potomac yards which, which is now regal which is now gone yeah ding 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 we have hit our time and i feel like we should mention for our three viewers or our three listeners that um plus john's mom she counts as one too yeah john's mom yeah. Is one. yes um and all of our moms, I think we should note for them that uh, John's mom is actually sitting across the table from him, feeding him <laughs> answers. So you should all know <laughs> this is a, a mother-son, a mother-son interview. And we are gonna, she is gonna pop on to screen at some point just to prove that she's actually here. Because <laughs> it'd be kind of weird just to be like, oh, my mom's here. But it'd be like you a don't see her. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. That's right. Okay, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep going, but we're gonna all wave at Mama Chapman. Okay, so that was super fun, John, getting to know you. I want you and not your mom to answer the next question. <laughs> um, so every candidate has a standard 30-second elevator pitch. Pretend we're total strangers. Give me your elevator pitch. Um, I'll say mine is probably not 30 seconds, but um, I'm John Taylor Chapman. I'm a third term uh, city council member, born and raised in the city, um, have been involved in 
um, working to better this city uh, since I got back from college. Uh, my background is in youth uh, and education, and so I've prided myself on trying to improve things for families in our city. Um, and also um, as a business owner, a recent business owner, um, tried to improve the outcomes for businesses here in our city as well. Thank you. That was incredible. What was that? 29 seconds. Oh, Amazing. Note that Pam, Pam catch that. That was, that was 29 seconds. That was perfect. That's like, <laughs> that, you're our first under. That was yeah. amazing. That was amazing. And Bonus points. That's, that's Pam's fault. Thank you, Pam. All right. So this is the perfect segue right into the best parts of any good party, which are those deep conversations you have in the corners of the room. And in the four corners of the party we're having tonight, we're going to talk about climate, structural and institutional racism, the cost of living, and of course, COVID. Marta, want to start us off? Absolutely. So John, welcome to my corner, starting with my favorite topic, the climate corner. Uh, real quick, we weren't joking when we emailed this to you ahead of time. Uh, I would like you to hold a plant during this corner. So... Any plant, you could grab a blade of grass, you could grab, you could grab a, a leaf on the tree, you could. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay, great. <laughs> it's happening. Yay! It's happening. This is a fun podcast. That's why we hold plants. <laughs> that no one can see but us. <laughs> Can't have fun without the plants. Ooh. Have you got that, John? <laughs> tell us about your. Tell us about this plant. So this is, and I hate to say this, but this is now a dead plant because I had to. <laughs> um, but this is uh, my first attempt at growing uh, collard greens. Uh, You're not supposed to let them flower. So um, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of collard greens that have flowered. If you've been following me on Facebook, you've seen my. My troubles, shall we I've say? I've seen people on Facebook trying to tell you, like, you were like, "Hey, is it time to cook these?" And people are like, mm. <laughs> "Well, I remember when you first posted, and and you were like, what is this plant?'" Right, that's right. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I see them cooked, and I eat them. I've never grown them, but okay." All right. Well, speaking of growing things, uh, tell us what is your favorite park in Alexandria. So I have a little bit of a bias. I live across from one, Angel Park, uh, and I've lived there since 97. So um, yeah, Angel Park is, is still my favorite. Um, yeah. Very nice. All right. So that was fun. Now for the wonky question. Okay. You are likely well aware that back in 2019, City Council unanimously adopted the updated Environmental Action Plan, or the EAP, mm -hmm. and also unanimously adopted a resolution declaring a climate emergency. So climate's like a, a very serious thing, thing here in yes, Alexandria. And even we have goals of, of reducing greenhouse gas emissions 50% by 2030, 80 to 100% by 2050. That's a lot. So our question for you is, in the Environmental Action Plan, what is your favorite chapter? And how will that help us reduce carbon emissions? Uh-oh. Um, hmm. I have the table of contents if you need okay. a refresher. Which chapter addresses, um, so, you know, the, the thing for me is, it's a really about what the city commits to and what our partners at the school commit to as well. Um, and so the chapter that really kind of reflects on what the city's responsibility is, um, I think is, is the key, you know, not only reducing our services and how we function, 
um, one of the biggest things that has been my pet peeve is our fleet uh, and the management of our own fleet. Um, turning that fleet into um, an electric fleet over the course of time, I think is key. Um, that is, yeah, I'd say that's my favorite kind of portion of the EAP. All right, well, for listeners, uh, John gets partial credit because there isn't partial. necessarily a chapter that, that talks about how the city's gonna walk the talk. It's, it's woven throughout all the chapters. So you get partial mm. credit, we'll give it to you. All right, well, with that, I will pass it to Sarah. Um, so it's my turn. Welcome to my corner. Um, we're going to talk about structural and institutional racism here in Alexandria. As a multiracial woman living in Alexandria, I, I've had some rude awakenings. I'm interested to get your take. The question, the standard question that they ask on the podcast is, what have you done to understand the history of racism and white supremacy in Alexandria? Obviously, you know from personal experience and through your business, um, the manumission tours, you know a ton about the history of those things. Is there something that you can tell us how you educated yourself further? Yeah, so I, I would I would say you know, and you you alluded to it with my business, I've had the opportunity to do a fair amount of research into um, kind of the, the the racial history and, and segregation, um, and obviously earlier than that. And I think for for me. One of the reasons I started and try to keep the company going is because the city has had a history of not um, pulling forward the history of certain groups. Um, and I think, you know, as we talk about um, white supremacy and structural racism, it's that um, even whether we call it erasure uh, of certain people's history or kind of just the keeping it quiet, you know keeping records that, um, you know, whether it's moving records, um, not bringing out that history, not finding the opportunities there, not making the opportunities, not funding the opportunities uh, to talk about that history, uh, I think is key. Um, and our history, unfortunately, excuse me, our city, unfortunately has had um, a very interesting history around that, uh, around not uh, being very clear about what African-American history is and uh, the contributions of uh, different peoples of color uh, to the growth of the city. Um, yeah. And recently, Alexandria has passed the All Alexandria Resolution um, passed by the council. And um, But we want to know, what are your most pressing concerns related to racial equality in Alexandria now, and how do you propose to address them? So my, my most pressing one right now, um, and, and something I'm actually writing up as soon as we get up, as soon as we're done with the podcast, um, is kind of the the inequality around economic development. Um, we've seen through the pandemic um, that as we as a city give out federal money, that federal money is not hitting um, the portions of the community, one that are getting hit the worst, which are black and brown businesses. Um, frankly, we don't have really good communication strategy with a number of them. Um, and so if we, uh, what we've seen is we've put up a grant program and we've said, hey, everybody come and get this money. Um, but when we say, hey, everybody, we're only talking to folks over here. We're not hitting everybody in our city, uh, and particularly these businesses over here that are black and brown that are struggling and not hearing from us and knowing about the opportunities for funding and support, um, and they're not getting that. 
um, we have a lot of work to do to make sure that we change that. Uh, and so one of the biggest things that we can do is, is illuminate those businesses and kind of point them out and say, these are the African-American businesses that we have. We know who they are in the city. We have contact with them in the city. And so there's an open communication path with them. And so when opportunities come down from the federal government or we open our own opportunities, we can have that communication with them and they can have an equal playing field uh, with uh, other businesses in the city. Uh, Sandy, I think you're up. Is that it's right? me. Hi, John. Hey. In this corner, we want to talk about the cost of living in Alexandria. As we say to everyone, and as I will say to you, we pay more for everything in Alexandria. I read somewhere we pay more for toothpaste than other cities of our size. So mm -hmm. we pay more for groceries, for healthcare, and obviously for housing. It's hard for most people to live here now and save anything for the future. But what's really on our minds is affordable housing. So can you talk a little bit about your philosophy on affordable housing and sort of how it plays into the cost of living mm -hmm. in Alexandria? Yeah, certainly. So um, I think my philosophy is, is really trying to, um, it, it's multi-tiered, right? I think you have to agitate at the federal and state level. Um, one of the challenges we have as a, as a city is that we don't get um, the resources from the state level um, to really make a drastic impact. I think we're still bottom half of all uh, the states in the United States um, when it comes to the amount of money in your in their affordable housing uh, trust fund at the state level. Um, we were maybe, let's say at least four years ago, we were 50th. So, you know, we've, you know, the state has not been super uh, successful in and making sure localities have uh, resources. Um, you know, we do have the VH, uh, VHDA and they give out tax credits, but you know, raw money, grant money is really what some of these projects need. Uh, and so agitating at that level, making sure um, legislative uh, folks know that they need to improve their support uh, is key. Uh, on the local level, um, using a mix of local dollars uh, that I think we need to set aside for housing uh, and using zoning uh, power um, are kind of the interesting mix that we've used uh, along the way to try to get different things. Um, also, um, introducing and being welcoming to nonprofit developers uh, here in the city uh, to have them use their resources uh, to expand opportunities. Um, I think one of the things we've, uh, over the course of the last six years, we've been um, very good at is that last piece, um, working with nonprofit developers. Uh, and frankly, working with um, now the um, a number of religious communities uh, that want to um, shift how they use uh, their sites, or their churches, um, in order to have them build affordable housing on site as well. Uh, Fairlington Presbyterian right off of King Street is the latest example they're doing construction uh, right now. Um, the Spire on the West End opened recently, um, which was a same type of relationship with local church that uh, found themselves getting smaller and decided to um, make a much smaller building in with the rest of the space they have. Um, they decided to 
build affordable housing. Um, that's an amazing opportunity, but obviously we can't live off of those opportunities. Uh, and so um, continuing to press um, what we can do around zoning, um, I think the heritage was um, an attempt, not by this current council, but by a previous council to look at how we can rezone an area and try to induce um, developers, uh, nonprofit and for-profit to get involved in an area um, and uh, produce uh, affordable housing units. Um, so all, I say all that to say, um, it, it's really about trying to uh, hit this problem uh, in a number of different ways. Um, not just uh, not just one way. I think my, everybody might call it kind of all all everything. Every tool is on the table, uh, and I think that's what for for who we are as a city and kind of what we expect. I think that's the best way forward. Well, speaking of all, mm -hmm. um, we want to go back to the all Alexandria resolution as it okay. relates to affordable housing. Um, it's interesting that you bring up the churches and nonprofit developers and stuff because something we've been talking about amongst ourselves a lot over the past week is um, sort of how we can't really rely on just the charitable acts of people uh, to create affordable housing that this needs to be a priority mm -hmm. for all Alexandrians. And so um, on that note, we would love to hear um, how you think we can make sure that Alexandria's affordable housing plan lives up to this all Alexandria resolution on race and social equity. So I think it honestly, it's really about electing folks to council that understand that uh, and make that a priority. Um, we've had, and no offense to any Democrats out there, but we've had folks that have fought against affordable housing projects, um, voted against them, fought against them, um, you know, spoke out against them. That does not help us move uh, affordable housing forward. We're not um, a bunch of Democrats that are going to overdevelop everything in, in the name of affordable housing, um, but we do understand the relationship between development and affordability. Um, and so um, getting council members that understand that, um, getting council members who are um, interested in kind of doing the homework if they don't fully understand that, um, I think those are, are two key things. Um, and that has not always happened, but uh, we can always be hopeful uh, every election. Hmm. Excellent, thank you. Well, um, you have made it almost all the way around the room. You're on to the last corner with Rushmi. Welcome, welcome to the COVID corner. COVID corner, oh. <laughs> Don't worry, I got my second jab today, so okay. you will not get COVID from me. You still got. You still got two weeks. You still got two weeks. Um, yeah, this is true. Have you got your vaccination yet? I have. I have. Glad to hear it. So, I have a two-part question for you. The first part is: How has COVID changed your thinking about our city? And second, is there anything you can think of that should not return to how it was before COVID? So um, the biggest thing is we have to be flexible in what we do in terms of policymaking. Um, you know, we've had traditional policies that we've kept around for business, um, certain ways that we've done and operated. Um, those things we've shown that those things don't need to happen anymore. And, and I'll give you, I'll give you something kind of very basic. We've shown that council doesn't have to meet in city hall. Um, 
you know, everybody, we can do our meetings in Zoom, we can do our meetings all across town, like we've talked about. Um, that That's simple, super simple and su something that really hopefully will change when we go back. Um, we've also shown that um, takeout is not a bad thing. Um, you know, delivery is not a bad thing. Uh, delivered alcohol is not a bad thing. Um, you know, those, <laughs> she's giving a big thumbs up. <laughs> those uh, those policies around things like delivered alcohol um, didn't make sense for a number of years, um, and we know that. Uh, and so, being able to make sure our businesses have the support they need to use that thread of business um, to excuse uh, me, excuse me, uh, thread of revenue um, to help uh, solidify their business is, is something that we can do. Um, locally and you know statewide, um, and I would say you know the the idea that um, all of our staff need to be in city hall um, every day to do their jobs it's not true um, you know and so hopefully over a course of time we can understand who needs to be in the office when they need to be in the office and if they don't um, how do we uh, change the footprint of city hall and city government to reflect those needs and hopefully save the taxpayers dollars. Um, because I think at the end of the day, um, it shouldn't be about what the footprint of city government is. It should be about the efficiency of city government and being able to provide services. Yeah, 100% agree. We, we, we have the Zoom and we get to see you. So this is great. In normal times, we wouldn't have done this, so. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Sandy would have. Sandy would have had everybody on her porch and we would have done this. It's true. true. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. true. You know, I had a bunch of Jewish people in my backyard last year and we made John eat Kugel. That's right. Ooh, yeah. like I mean, we had all the candidates. I mean, she, she didn't make me eat it. It was, it was good. <laughs> well, we were kind of like, I mean, there were a lot of candidates. And um, just to be to be clear, and um, we were like, here, eat this sweet noodle thing that doesn't taste like what you think it's going to taste like. And he was right. just like, okay. <laughs> You're like, sweet? Okay, thanks. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say about things you didn't want to go back to normal, being the nightmare. I thought you were going to say um, restaurants out on King Street by the waterfront. So I, I try not to lean on that all the time, but obviously, yes, that, that is something that I want to see uh, improve. Uh, and honestly, I want to, I really want to kind of figure out where else in the city we can do that. Um, I think one of the things that if, if we keep this, and I hope we do, one of the things that's going to pop up eventually is that folks in another neighborhood are going to say, hey, King Street has this and we want that. Mm -hmm. um, and so trying to figure out, trying to get ahead of that and figure out where in the West End, where in Arlandria, uh, where mm -hmm. on Delray, uh, could something yeah. like this work um, and, and start to talk to staff um, and um, hopefully come up with a program or, or some type of pilot that we can try other places. Go ahead, Marta. Are you suggesting that Mount Vernon's going to become the next Bourbon Street? Because I might be able to get behind that. Yeah. <laughs> I did not say it. You did. <laughs> you heard so it that, from and, John. <laughs> and honestly, that's that's we're we're not getting too far away from that because if you if you guys recall, uh, there is um, a General Assembly bill uh, that is allowing for basically the the placement of like zones where you can carry alcohol. And like you could, if we made the 200 block of King Street as one of these zones, mm. about that zone, you could carry alcohol. I mean, can you also carry firearms? Oh. Yeah, this no. is this is why no. we have policy corners to learn very important information yeah. like this. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I have a quick question. Why, yeah. why are you known as the nightmare? 
<laughs> so, um, so uh, I can't remember the year, but it was a couple years ago. Um, DC uh, actually had a paid internal uh, government position that was in charge of uh, kind of coordinating their nightlife and clubs, um, really around permitting um, and safety. Um, and they called this person the nightmare. Um, and so I saw an article about it. I say, oh, that's, that's really a very interesting name. Um, and uh, at the same time, I was talking to a couple of people about um, the fact that we really didn't have a champion on city council for business and, and in a way that um, was creative and different. And so like evening businesses, whether it be the theater, whether it be bars and restaurants, um, whether it be some of the galleries, um, we don't have, we've never had a, or in recent times, we hadn't had a council member that, you know, openly spoke out about the need for bars and restaurants. Like that was a, a no-no, right? Um, you know, I remember, I want to say it maybe in 2013, um, and, and then in 2015, um, you know, I, I raised some eyebrows talking about, you know, uh, romantic walks along the waterfront, you know, because I was like, Alexandra is a great place to date. And yeah. people were just like, oh, I don't know. I can't believe he said that. I was like, well, it is, you know. Um, and then um, I think we raised some other eyebrows as well. Uh, when we talked about some of the cohabitation laws at the time. Uh, yeah. I'm remembering that my mother is sitting across from me, so I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Um, you know, some of, some of these ideas, you know, we have a sense here in this community that we can't talk about certain things, right? Um, a sex shop on King Street was a, was a big uh, controversial thing. But so was Taco Bell. And so was Taco Bell. I mean, I love uh, that and Taco so, Bell. <laughs> and so as, and that brings us right around to the nightmare. Um, and so our first official um, kind of duty as nightmare was opening this Taco Bell. Like we've, we actually fought people for it. They came and testified against it. This is going to be horrible. It's going to destroy Old Town, blah, blah, blah. Um, we were able to get it. And so uh, when we opened it and they, they did the opening, we came and did like a fake proclamation and uh, we had a really that. good, that, that's that right. Cool. That's right. We had a, we had a good time. And um, the, the, the idea that Alexandria and Old Town and Del Rey can be open at night yeah. should not be something that scares us, right? We need to figure yeah. out how to make sure that your, your quality of life is not uh, destroyed. Uh, but we should be able to also, if you want to go out at 11 o'clock at night, you should be able to find a, a safe, comfortable place to do that uh, in the city without having to go into DC or something like mm. that, right? You should be yeah. able to find a place like that in Alexandria. So, um, you know, the nightmare for, for a number of months before COVID, I would go to, um, after my meetings, I would just go to a bar and sit there and uh, have a drink and eat something and talk to people about, you know, local city policy. And so, um, I've taken that on um, as to be the nightmare, talk about nightlife, talk about our businesses, um, talk about the need for us to be active and vibrant um, at all parts of the day and night. And so um, it's something I look forward to trying to, you know, our latest thing is talking to uh, restaurant owners and talking uh, how talking to them in 15 minutes about how COVID has gone for them and what they're expecting as they come out of it, uh, just to be able to put a highlight on the businesses that we have here. And so people can know what they're going through and hopefully support them. Love that. Thank you. Okay. So you've made it all the way around the room. 
all four corners of the room. You know, you know, I want to come back to Marta because I messed up on that question. Like, Sorry, Marta. Green building. That's what I'm gonna say. Green building. Boom. That should be my answer. Okay. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair because, okay, we got it. Green building. Look at him. He's hanging his head in shame. We we formally we formally amend the record to say green building. Okay. So here's the thing. You've made it all the way around the room. Usually we take a minute to do our favorite thing, which is check in with Anne Fawn to see what she's eating. Because you know, Anne always has the best food, but our um, yes. Anne Foodie Fawn, she is down with the COVID vaccine. Ah, um, oh, that's right. But we don't have her today. Okay. But I did see, I saw, so she posted on Facebook that she, uh, she was feeling useless right now. And she said she was able to only choke down three whole bites of a perfectly delicious ramen lunch before she got dizzy. And she is such a foodie. So like wasting food is not, not cool. Also not sustainable. Um, and so I, <laughs> and so after giving her condolences, I was like, by the way, where's your ramen from? Cause we're going to use this in the pod. And she said she made it, which, uh, which is impressive. Uh, also, though, she said if she didn't make it and bought it from somewhere, it would be from Sunday in Saigon. Ooh. So that's a good one. Okay. All right. Order from Sunday in Saigon. Right. Eat it. local. That's what Ann would say. Indeed. That's what Ann would say. All right, Joy, you're up. Great. Thank you. So, John, we have one last question for you. Um, mm -hmm. Amanda Hazelwood and her Spitfire Club girls have inspired us to think about diversity of age. So we'd like to give the floor to an Alexandria kid for the last question. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Tonight's kiddo question here on Liberally Social comes from Max, who is six. Okay. And his sister is a Spitfire girl. Nice. Hello, my name is Max. I am six. My question is... Who is your best friend? Who is my best friend? So um, generally, I don't I don't use that term, but I have I have a friend that I call pretty much every day, um, and we usually start the day off just chatting about random stuff, usually politics. Um, some of you might know him, uh, Scott Price, uh, oh. and uh, yeah, so we will usually chat pretty much every day and talk about a whole host of political things going on and and whatnot so yeah is he is, is he gonna get bashful that you you called him your best friend he, he may and if no. he does i'm gonna make fun of him are you kidding scott price can handle anything all right all right well john that's all we've got thank you oh, thank so you much for joining us absolutely glad to i feel like i didn't drink enough though but I know there's like no time, but you have a whole, John's got his, his cider and his bourbon. It, it's a weeknight, you got a one-year-old and you said you have plans after this. So I believe in you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you all for the invite and opportunity to be on this and chat. Thank you, John. Thank you. Happy to have you. And with that, it's time to turn the lights up and the music down as our podcast party comes to a close. Time to sleep off our cider under the immaculate tree of progressivism. <laughs>been another episode of liberally social brought to you by the democratic social club of alexandria 
We'd like to thank our guest tonight, John Taylor Chapman for City Council, and his mom, Mama Michelle Chapman. You can learn more on his website, chapman4council.com. That's with a number four. And we'll throw an Act Blue link in our show notes so you can give John all your money if you'd like to. Remember, early voting is ongoing. It started in April. The voter registration deadline for the Democratic primary is May 17th, and the primary itself is on June 8th. We'd also like to thank our special guest host for the evening, the incredible Sarah Carr, and of course, six-year-old Max for tonight's question. Join the Democratic Social Club on Facebook or Instagram at DemSocialALX for more information about the Liberally Social podcast. The creative and manual labor that's making Liberally Social happen has been and is being done by Sandy Marks, Marta Schant, Kristen Weber, Ann Fawn, Elizabeth Bradley, Rushmi Papu, Ron K. Hughes, Joy Pocatella, and Anna Yeager. And Sarah Carr tonight. And John's mom? See you next time.